0: We uh, had our annual meeting yesterday. Thank you for all those that were here. And part of the annual meeting, uh, I shared what you know. Uh, Bill Bill introduced the annual meeting, and he said, you know, basically the state of California and you know government requires us to have an annual meeting. So you know, there's some formality to it. Um, but really, beyond that, the, the context of an annual meeting isn't just to fulfill, uh, you know. Corporate regulations. It's really a celebration. It's really a a meeting to recognize the supernatural nature of what God has been doing and is doing. Amen. So, so yesterday we celebrated 2018 and and just God's abundant provision, changed lives, salvation, people coming into covenant with the church, um, new ministry leads stepping into position, and then. Far as a vision for 2019, I shared with her that there were two two words really for me as a whole for the church as we move into 2019 and really beyond. Uh, it's fundamentals and foundations. Fundamentals and foundations. Right? And and we've been looking at fundamentals, you know, kind of through the, the lens of football, right? The fundamentals of football. And, and and you might ask yourself, why are we camped here? Why what's so important about fundamentals? right? Can't we just move on to some meat, right? To the good stuff, right? Well, well, fundamentals are important because fundamentally what they train us to do, what they prepare us to do, our hearts to do, uh, is for outside of here. It's for outside of here. See, see, in football, uh, they drill and they drill and they drill the fundamentals because when you're in the, the game, you don't have time to think. The stresses and the speed and the, uh, you know, the split second decisions that need to be made, uh, you gotta have fundamentals to guide you through the stresses and the strains of just playing football. It's kinda like even in, in the military, uh, you're familiar with boot camps, right? Well, holistically, the, the, the fundamental reason that boot camps are structured like they are is to prepare soldiers for the stresses of combat. So everything they do, from the yelling to the marching to the, clean up your room, to everything, it's all designed to get these fundamentals instilled in them so that under the stress of combat they don't freak out. So us here in the church, what we're doing is we're we're staying on the fundamentals because as soon as these doors open and you leave, the world is waiting. The world is waiting. And situations are going to come across your text, your email, your phone. And the question is, are you fundamentally ready? How are you going to handle the stresses and the strains of life? Right? Jesus says in this world you will have tribulations. Right? We don't bury our head in the sand around here and pie in the sky. Things are coming. Things are coming. I spoke yesterday at the annual meeting. You know, if you are keeping up on the news and the state of the country, things are coming. Things are coming to the church. They really are. And and the fundamentals that we're going to be spending as much time as we need to this year... Uh, isn't just for us Isn't just a, a, an individual thing For me to get mine uh, Quite frankly, in my role here In this church and as president Of the Ohio Valley Ministerial Association I shared, you know, for this school year It kind of runs fall the spring I was elected for president of the OVMA And you know how that happened? I missed the meeting in the spring <laughs> And I received an email Hey bro, just wanted to let you know Congratulations We voted you president of the OVMA. And, and in that, we've had some discussions in the fall uh, about the state of the country and what it means as senior pastors and how the church and our title and our role uh, isn't uh, perceived and received the way it used to be anymore. And you know, um, I shared yesterday, uh, we're not alarmists around here, but we are we're realists. We're realists, and if we're going to be salt and light, if the church is going to continue to be the pillar and foundation of truth, right? We got to have the fundamentals. You got to, you, you got, you got to, you got to start there because it's going to get crazy. And and this church is going to have to make some decisions, and you're going to have to make some decisions about where you stand on the fundamentals. On fundamentals. That's why I'm so. Last. really so thankful that in God's grace and in His timing, He said 2019 started the Word of God. Because that is probably the fundamentals of fundamentals. Everything we know about the Gospel, everything we know about Jesus, everything we know about salvation comes from what? The Word of God. You have to have the fundamentals regarding the Word of God. Down. Again, like I said, because the world is waiting for you outside these doors, and then uh, you know, a year from now, I don't know what we'll be speaking about. In the state of the country. So we, I, I, I see this kind of as a preparation time, a bit of a spring training, if you want to call it that, a boot camp for us to come back. So that, not so that we can hunker, not so that we can become isolationist, not so that we can say, you know, us fifty and that's nifty. Okay, well, us hundred fifty and that's nifty, right? <laughs> we can't say that anymore. Not that we just become like this. No. We need to have the fundamentals down ultimately, so we go like this, we go like this. Because as the country continues to do this, more and more people are gonna be looking for truth, more and more people are gonna be looking for hope, more and more people are gonna be confused, discouraged, scared, and by golly, we have the truth. We have the answers. And we need to be fundamentally prepared to go out there and take some deep breaths. You know, you're talking about in Acts, right? And the whole, them going in front of the government, and dealing with that, right? Okay, moving forward, all of us, probably collectively, at some point, are going to have to take a deep breath. And move forward by faith and obedience in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let the consequences be what they're going to be. Right? That's why this is so important to us. So we've been looking forward, at looking at the fundamentals. First Peter 2, 2 and 3 says, like newborn babes, crave pure spiritual milk. So that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Spiritual milk, right? Word of God. You want to be godly, holy, want to be like Jesus? Crave the Word of God. The challenge with that is our hearts don't always agree. Right? Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So, So if you're struggling with the Word of God, even the desire to read it, let alone study, memorize, share it. Yeah, is that in your heart? Is that in your heart? Right? What's going on? What's going on? So we, we over the last several weeks, uh, we, we've asked some heart-level questions, right? We started off with 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. So this, this issue of authority. So the question is, okay, you may, you may agree, you may assent that God's, the Bible is inspired, but is it authority? So that question is really inspiration versus authority. Not one or the other, but both. In your heart. Is the Word of God inspired and authoritative? Big difference. See, a lot of us in the church will go, rah, rah, scumbah, yeah, it's God's Word. But I don't really know if it's authoritative. I am really, you know, I'm really still in authority. You've got to settle that's a heart issue. That's a heart issue, right? James 1, two verses, key verses. says, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Right? Key verse around here. So look the, 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 the heart question there was, are you being a hearer versus a doer? What's a hearer? A hearer is someone who sits in the college lecture class and what they call audit audits it. If you audit a, a lecture, if you audit a class... The professor allows you to come and sit in and take notes and enjoy the lecture, but you don't have to do the homework or take the exams. You're just auditing. And so unfortunately, this auditing mindset has seeped into the church. When we come in on Sundays and we're hearers, we're auditors, but we sort of picked up somewhere along the line that the doing is optional. We're excused from the assignments. Right? And and James 1.22 says, if you do that, you're deceived. I mean, that's not me. I mean, and and that word is strong because it says deceived is deluded. Like, deluded. I mean, that's a powerful word, right? So, you know, I was there as an early believer. You come to church, and you, you get up, and you leave. Woo! Good sermon. Now that's over. I'm glad that's over. Let's go get some donuts. The truth is, it's not over when I stop speaking. It just begins. Not over when I stop speaking. Now it just begins. Because hearing and doing, we saw, is Shema. In the Bible, there's no separation between hearing and doing. To hear is to do. Right? That's a heart issue. That's a heart issue. It takes, it may take some time to think through that, right? Then we talked about how do you perceive Garrett, uh, can you put up the, those two verses again, James one twenty-two and twenty-five? It says it's the law of liberty, right? This one uh, not a forget here, but becoming uh, who did not look into the perfect law that of liberty. So we ask the hard question: When you think of the Bible, is it freedom or is it bondage? Right? It's a hard issue. What is your general vibe? How did you? How were you raised? Right? When you wake up in the morning and you see your Bible, does it represent freedom and liberty? Or is it bondage and rules and a bunch of don'ts? And how you perceive it, I'm guessing, has a little bit of an impact on how you feel about wanting to. Right? Really? Right? Think about, you yeah, had two books. One was a book designed to ten ways to earn a million dollars. Right? Versus algebra. <laughs> Which one are you gonna gravitate towards? <laughs> Your math textbook or ten ways to make a million dollars? Well, how do you view the Bible? Fundamentally. Harp. Heart. Is it like this God's textbook? Or is it, man? It's liberty. It's true joy. Man. Right? How do you view it? How do you view that? And then we saw in this phrase, right? And this is uh, last week. If you were here, we, we put out this version. That YLT stands for Young's Literal Translation, and and that's intentional because Garrett, go back to the ESV, right? The slide before this, right? So it says there at the bottom. It says uh, a doer who acts. He will be blessed. That's the ESV. And the literal is he happy in his doing. Right, And so last week, we, we began sort of, a, sort of a mini-series on this idea. What, is, what does it mean to be blessed? I mean, it is so popular out there. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessing. Right? I shared, and I did not know that my wife was wearing the t-shirt, but I shared the story last Sunday that we were at Target a week and a half ago, and my wife got all excited. You know, I go to the men's section, she goes to the women's section, she comes running. Hey, they have the shirt here I've been waiting for, Right? And it was a gray t-shirt. that says, blessed. And again, I shared last Sunday, I have learned after 29 years of ministry, keep them separate. Keep the theology separate from the relationship at times. Because pastorally, I knew what we were going to be teaching. And in my mind, senior pastor says, do you really know what that means? (laughs) Now, several years ago, I would have inserted foot into mouth and just destroyed that wonderful find. How many of you have been ever happy when you found it in the clothing rack? I've been looking for this, right? So she was all excited. I like, found it. It's so cute. Right? And I'm like, right? Fundamentals. Things happen quickly. You have to have the fundamentals down. So fundamentally, I learned that is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: so happy for you. Oh,
0: sweet. And it's on sale. Yeah. She was wearing it. Last month. I was like, oh, I didn't know that, right? Some of you, some of you went up to her. She's like, why are they asking her all this stuff, honey? mean, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> blessed. And it was all in good fun. She, we had a good time about it. Blessed what does it mean, Right? We talked about it wasn't mean? I'm blessed. You're blessed. God blessed me. God blessed me with a job. Right? And if we're not careful, we equate... Uh, the word blessed, blessing, all of that in the church, it has become sort of equated primarily with spiritual, pro- uh, not spiritual, material prosperity. Good circumstances. Things going right. The challenging part with that is in this room this week, don't raise your hand, I'm betting that for many of you, things didn't go right. Things didn't go right. It was a tough week. So, are you blessed? Still? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You have to be real careful. And, and we're going to spend, this is only one word, we're going to move very slowly because I, there's a lot out there in churchdom that if, if you're not careful, churches are filled this morning with people looking to get blessed. And unfortunately, it's become a self-centered thing. Now, now, blessing and being blessed has turned, turned into God should bless me because I'm doing this, and then now God's Santa Claus, and and they're excited and everything, and really, uh, for for some, the motive is self-centered and selfish, because now God, they're looking for the blessing. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna look at this as we move forward, but fundamentally, that word blessed in this. Ver, go ahead, Gary, put it back up. That word blessed is makarios. And this is the definition I put up there. It's a state or a condition. Okay? It's a... You got a fun... It means... the literally means happy. <coughs> happy. Now, that in and of itself, that's a strong word because it's not giddy. It's not silly. It's not... <laughs> it's not that. But that's a tough word because it literally means happy. Find full satisfaction, self-contained happiness, one who is in the world yet independent of the world because their satisfaction comes from God and not favorable circumstances. It means you're thriving. It's spiritual prosperity. So that word blessed, (laughs) is a state or a condition for those who are in Christ. Amen? It's a state or a condition that you already possess because you're in Christ. It's self-contained. Right, it's not. It's not. I'm waiting for for God to give me something in Christ. You've been given everything. So it's a state. It's a state. The Greeks actually used makarios, Go ahead, Garrett. To to describe the island of Cyprus. The island of Cyprus was called the blessed. Isle. They believed that because of its geographical location, perfect climate, fertile soil, anyone who lived on Cyprus had it made in the shade. It was thought to have everything necessary for life contained within its small coastline perimeter. It was self-contained and filled. Satisfaction and joy, all right there. Right, go ahead. Next one. That's Cyprus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. What you just felt is Makarios spiritually. That's why I decided to put them up. Because the picture would create a sense in you. How many of you got that sense? You went, you went to Hawaii, you went to wherever you went, right? There's a sense that you're like, how many of you right now just want to be there? And you're there because of what it's going to create in you. You get what I'm saying? That's Makarios. That sense, that experience, that satisfaction, like, I just want to be there. That is what God wants you to know you already have. Every day, as a believer, you're there. You're there. That's why Mark, thank you in your offering. He says he spent some time just in Thanksgiving, right? You want to experience that daily? You got to spend time with the Lord and in the Word. <laughs> That's Makarios. You can go there spiritually throughout the day as long as your focus is right. That's what he's talking about. That's, that's Makarios, right? It says this. I love this quote. Makarios is a reality. Everyone say reality. Reality. An inward state of truth no matter how you actually feel. See, in our culture we are so feelings driven. In other words, to be blessed, as defined by Makarios, one does not have to feel happy to be blessed. Makarios defines one's state of being in relation to God, independent of how one feels about it at a given moment in time. There are many times I don't personally feel very blessed, but the Bible nevertheless declares that irregardless of my untoward circumstances, afflictions, trials, I am still blessed by God. Right now, for some of you, how many is that? Is good news? How many? Okay, take this the right way. You gotta notify your face. <laughs> I just don't get why the church is just so somber and sullen. I'm blessed. <laughs> Karyos, man. Karyos. Yeah, Karyos, dude. Like, I I I'm blessed. Come on, man! How many of you are blessed? You are blessed. blessed! Come on! I mean, the Bible says you've been given everything you need for life and godliness. The Bible says you have been given every spiritual blessing. Different word. We'll get there, right? The Bible says He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says you are complete, loved, accepted, and pleasing. The Bible says your name is written in the book of life. The Bible says if you die right now, you'd be in a better place. Praise the Lord, brother. The Lord. The Lord, brother. On. I mean come on. Why, why why when did the church get so bound up? Why are we so bound up about enjoying what's already true? Why are we so fearful? And i got to tell you, if you let this joy, the joy of Macarius out, the world out there, this community will stand up. Yes. Yes. Because i got to tell you right now, there are people around you in your neighborhood, your neighbors, uh, your co-workers, your friends, who are, 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 are just desperate for a sense of Makarios in their life. Desperate. And here we are, the church. We, we have it all. And I'm not talking being weird. <laughs> it's not, right? We were talking earlier this morning, the leadership we meet, we talk about the service and everything. And it's like, when did be, sharing your faith and inviting people to church and talking about joy and blessedness, when did it become weird? Weird. Like, like Tyler likes likes to ride, right? So he'll just go to the guy, hey man, I ride, you want to go on a ride? Not weird. Not weird. It's not like... God's got a plan for your life. Just ride with me. Why did it get weird? I know, I know, it's a tool. Okay, I'm not, I'm not being disrespectful. But come on, come on. How many of you have ever eaten at a wonderful restaurant and just had to tell somebody about it? Did it get weird? Thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. Right. Did it get weird? Did you have to get all weird about it? Like, hey, can we meet? I got something to share with you. We ate at a very good restaurant. <laughs> How many of you ate at a restaurant and just it just came out? You, you're, you're with somebody and you're like, Dude, last night. I had the killer steak. And it was just normal and natural, and your enthusiasm and your exuberance, your experience just came out normal, and they were actually excited because you were excited. Right? That's what I'm talking about. We've just got to get over this. And I was thinking about... You you remember that song, If You're Happy and You Know It? Right? See, now it's a whole... Biblical, this changes everything, doesn't it? If you're Makarios and you know it. The problem with the church is you don't know it. Isn't it? Think about that. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, clap your hands right? Right? Do you? Do you know it? Not just here, but experientially, do you know it? Because i got to believe, if you're happy and you know it, you you just stop your hands. You won't even have to be told to clap your hands. You just clap your hands. If you're see, you can sit. Said... <laughs> right. Now, I get this. Here here's here's I think maybe one of the, the challenges with this. If you watch TV, if you've been exposed to various uh parts of the body, the church, the pendulum may have swung. And you see people very exuberant and prosperity and uh, God's blessing and the prosperity gospel, and they seem to be really excited on this end. And everyone over on this end. Very serious. Church is a serious thing. Right? You come, you sit in rows. Thou shalt not speak. Right? Rise, sit, rise, sit. For those of us. From other traditions, you kneel every once in a while. But rise, sit, right? And so, the pendulum is kind of here, and you're trying to figure this out. You're trying to figure this out, right? I just gotta encourage you, you gotta get out of here. Get out of your Greek minds, and let the Holy Spirit bring spiritual truth to life. Just let the Holy Spirit come alive. Just be just embrace Makarios. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, right? See, if you're blessed, Makarios. And here's the thing, if you're in Christ, you are. You already are! Positionally, you are blessed. Right? I mean, that's a hard issue. That's all right, I'm just I'm I'm just presenting it. That's all I can do. I just you just gotta you just gotta you just gotta cut loose. You just gotta, as Bill likes to say, you just gotta get over your bad self. (laughs) Just 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 be. Just be. Makarios. It's not circumstance driven. It's not feelings driven. It's truth driven. How do you know you're blessed? The Bible says! Okay. Now, that's makarios. That is what I call positional blessedness or positional happiness. I'm going say positional. Positional, right? That was all designed to get us to understand makarios as a state, a condition. In James, though, it's about practical happiness. It's about moving from this positional blessedness into doing. Go ahead, James. Um, Garrett, put up the 125, the ESV in the literal. Right, it says... He will be blessed, or happy, in his doing. Right? So a doer is blessed in. Not for, very important. In. In your lifestyle of doing. As a doer, you will be blessed in. Makarius, happy in doing. You notice the title of the sermon is Happy Obedience. That's kind of a heart issue challenge just right there. That's why we're going real slow. Ever hear the word oxymoron? An oxymoron is a figure of speech with words that seem to contradict one another. Alright? Here's some example of oxymoron, right? Plastic silverware. Right? Plastic silverware, All right? Working vacation. All right? Alright? Deafening silence. All right? Jumbo shrimp. <laughs> happy obedience
1: can those two words lay next to each other work?
0: happy obedience Is that an oxymoron because for some here those two words seem to contradict one another because obedience does not conjure up happiness for some Based on your experience. In fact, your experiences have been unhappy, maybe, for the most part, when it comes to obedience and authority and being told what to do. And this goes back to pride. And you're not the boss of me. Right? Right? Happy obedience. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Right? It's a heart issue. Do you really trust? Do you really believe, God, that happy obedience is even possible? And that's where you're going to have to work through being told what to do, even by Him. Alright? How many of you, for the most part, speaking very generally, so we're saying, how many of you, for the most part, have had unpleasant experiences with being told what to do? It's just not a very particularly happy word. Okay, that's very real. That's very real. So you're going to have to accept the fact that you're going to have some real challenges maybe with what we're about to talk about. Because James says you are going to be happy. It's a promise, it's a truth that we will be happy in obedience. That right there is fundamental, foundational. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta settle that issue. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Because here's the thing. These doors are gonna open. And you're gonna walk out. Hopefully to walk in faith and obedience. But is that gonna be a happy thing for you? Right? Are you looking forward to it? Are you looking forward to obeying God for the rest of the day today? Or is it, ah, oh man, more rules, I can't do that, and uh nah. heart issues, it's such heart issues. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew word called Esher, everyone say Esher. Esher is the equivalent of Makarios, they both mean happy. So, listen to these very familiar psalms with Esher, Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. I'll read it first in the ESV. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now here's literal. Oh, the happiness of the man! Oh, man! Right? You see the emotion now, right? Oh, the happiness of the man who walks not in the counsel. Radically different. Now it's not some theological term, blessed. It's all oh, the happiness. Psalm 119. I love this. Blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies who seek him with the whole heart. Now let's put it in the literal. Oh, the happiness of those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Oh, the happiness of those who keep his testimonies who seek him with the whole heart. Mmm. The Bible seems to indicate that walking with God in obedience is a happy thing. Proverbs 8.32 Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed or happy are those who keep my ways. Oh my goodness. Do you believe that? Come on. See? It's a heart issue. And it's going to be reflected where? In your obedience or not. Is obedience a good thing, a happy thing, a blessed? Is it the source of happiness? I mean, you got—it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue, right? Even Jesus speaks to this. Look at what he says in Luke eight. Now, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, "Your mother and brothers are standing outside, waiting, wanting to see you." Jesus replies. My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Whoa. You see what Jesus is saying? See, saying, in my kingdom, in my kingdom, I put a priority of relationship on those who hear and do. It's not just about biology. It's not just about natural, familiar relationships. He's, he's speaking kingdom relationships. are very important. Very important. Hey! Mary and your brothers, they're outside. You want to know who my real family is? Those who hear and do God's Word. Who's he talking about? Us! Us! If you hear and if you're a hearer and a doer, Jesus considers you part of the clan. You're in the family any believer there's no in and out if hearers and doers, he considers you the fam you're in, right? J. Vernon McGee says this Christ is declaring a new relationship in this passage, he was not denying his family relationship, but was getting ready to declare one infinitely deeper higher and more permanent transcending by far any blood relationship this brings a believer mighty close to him How do we get mighty close to Jesus? Hearing and doing. That's it. That's his words. And then it even gets, he gets even, he zings us again. So Jesus is teaching, right? And Luke 11, it says, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed or happy is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed or happy rather, important word, circle, underline if you want. Rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So, what, what, it was a compliment. What, what the woman was saying, hey, your mother must be really proud to have a son like you. That's what the, what she was saying when she said, happy is the mother who birthed you and nursed you, right? Jesus, he kind of corrects her, right? And look what he says, blessed are happy rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Ooh! Ooh! Now he wasn't disrespecting his mom because the scripture says she was blessed above all women, right? For what she had done, being used of God to bring Jesus onto this planet. He wasn't denying that, disrespecting that, but what he was doing was clarifying that in the kingdom, blessed... Happy rather are those who hear and do. Who's he talking about? Us! Us! So, had you ever put yourself in relationship to Mary in Jesus' mind? And he says, no, rather, blessed are you if you hear and do. (laughs) You got to kind of chew on that one. Because he's equating those who walk in faith and obedience with his mother. With Mary. That's how tight he sees you. That's how tight he sees you. Happy are those who hear and do, right? John 13 I'm passage where he washes his feet. It says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Here it is. If you know these things, blessed, Happy are you if you do that? <clears throat> Jesus Himself, right? Right there. Blessed, happy, inseparable from doing. We're the ones that separate. We're the ones that separate hearing and doing, and now we're the ones that separate happy from doing heart issues. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta have to work through this and you're gonna have to really be real with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Right? If Jesus himself says we are happy when we obey the word of God. Jesus himself just said it. Three passages. Right? He just said it. Why are we struggling so much then? Why are we struggling so much with it? If Jesus himself says happy are you if you do it, why is it such a struggle? Why aren't we just doing it? Why aren't we just like woo, let's go! Let's go! Jesus says it! Not Pastor Richie, Jesus says! Happy are you if you do it! Why don't we just all run out and start doing it? What's going on? Well, it's a hard issue. Some of it is self-centered. We're still trying to fit Jesus into our world. We're still at the center. We're still trying to figure out how to pursue happiness in the American dream, and Jesus is supposed to fulfill us. We're still working through that. We talked about that. Some of us, it's bad experiences with obedience, right? <laughs> and you're still you're going to have to spend some time really figuring out that happy and obedience are not oxymoron, not an oxymoron. That is actually the truth, right? Some of you have going to have to just work through that, trusting and believing that happy and obey go together, biblically. Remember, this is biblical, right? First John 5 and 3 says this. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. It's a love issue. And his commandments are not what? Burdensome. burdensome. So why don't we why aren't we running out there obeying? Why are why why is this a struggle to equate happiness and obedience? Quite honestly, many of us see obedience and his commandments are burdens. They're burdens. More to do. I already got my plate full. And now I've got to do all this other stuff. Well, biblically it says his commandments are not burdensome. What that word burdensome means? Oppressive, grievous, severe, stern, source of difficulty or trouble. If we're honest, how do you view God's commands? Are they a burden? Are they oppressive? Are they severe? The Bible says they're not. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. What does Jesus say? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is what? Jesus. And my burden is what? Why? Okay, so Jesus says, easy and light. First John 5, 3 says, not burdensome. Do you believe it? The rich young ruler says, hey, Lord, how do I? what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, hey, you know what? In Matthew 19, he says, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Hey, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions, right? We often equate, well, he had a lot of money and he couldn't give up the money. There might be another issue going on here. Did he really trust that giving it all up would lead to greater happiness. Oh, is he still clinging to his possessions as the source of happiness? So in your life, in my life, what's the source of happiness? Where are you looking? Where's your security? Where's your blessedness, if you're honest? Because Jesus was asking him, hey, trust me. Come follow me and you'll be blessed. And then trust Jesus. The so trust is you, Right? maybe we're having a hard time equating happy obedience, putting the two words together, honestly, and here's the thing. Because we don't have a relationship with Jesus. Even if you've been in church. What do I mean by that? John 5, he's talking to religious leaders, and look what he says. You study the scriptures. This is Jesus. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them, in the scriptures, you have eternal life these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, these the, the religious leaders, they studied, 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 and they thought that in studying that would get them. And Jesus is like, you're missing the point. All the scriptures are actually pointing to me. But you don't want to come to me. You want to stay academic. You want it your way. It's heady. So for some of us, happy obedience doesn't register, honestly, because you haven't settled the Jesus question: Have you really come to Jesus? Or are we here just studying and studying? And I'm giving you Greek and Hebrew words, and you're assenting and you're taking notes, yet you refuse to come to. You refuse to come to Him because see, happy obedience at its core is relational. I have to trust Him. I have to love Him, right? It's a love. Jesus, John fourteen fifteen. If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. It's a love relationship. John fifteen eight to eleven. By this, My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be My disciples. As the Father has loved Me, so have I loved you. Abide in My love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Who's Jesus talking to? Us! It's relationship. I will happily obey, because I love him. And I trust Him. He wants my joy. He wants your joy to be full. He came to give you abundant life. Amen? Amen. Happy obedience. Happy are you if you do it. Jesus is not playing games with us. He says, you want to be, you want to experience blessed? You want to experience happy? Just do it. Bring the positional happiness into Practical happiness, and here's the deal, you will walk and live blessed. Not that all the circumstances will go right, not that people won't persecute you, because the Bible says all who desire to be godly will be persecuted, but even in that, you will be untouchable. You will find great joy, you will find great happiness as you simply follow Jesus. That's all he's saying here. That's all he's saying here, right? I love Psalm 32. One. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Literally, oh, the happiness of him whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. You want the first step to happy obedience? You got to get saved. You got to know Jesus. You see, all these positional truths? That, that, you know, all the blessings, complete, loved, accepted, pleasing, name written in the book of life, that is all contingent on you knowing Jesus. Because Psalm 32.1 says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Start there. Are your sins forgiven? Because if it is, that's the most fundamental of fundamental sources of happiness. Amen? Amen? Come on, I mean... it's like, well, how do I start being happy pastor? <laughs> are you saved? Are you saved? I'm not asking you as my son. Just, are you saved? Yes? Are you happy? <laughs> no, he's just quiet. I mean, just, I'm not talking like, get all weird and be a different personality and like, yeah, I'm ready, you know? <laughs> Some of us need to go back to salvation. If you want to re-energize your happiness, reignite your happiness, reignite the flame, whatever they call it, right? Go back to the fact that you're just saved. All the busyness, all, just go back to being saved. Go back to the truth that if you weren't saved, you'd be home watching soccer. <laughs> right? Boo, we got boo. You're a soccer player, man. <laughs> So for those who are saved, application. Go back and, and be happy being saved. Just go back. Yell and scream. Go in your closure. Go, wherever you go and yell and scream, go around right on the field. Just just run around the fact that your sins are forgiven. Never lose that joy. Please. Please, please, never lose the joy. Those who are like, I'm not sure I'm getting this. Put your faith in Jesus today. Put your faith in Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, but Him. we're saved by grace through faith. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Put your faith in Jesus. And by golly, your sins will be covered, and you can be joyful. You can be happy. Right? I mean, I wish I could complicate it, but I can't. So, today, church, if you're saved, be happy you're saved. Yes. Right? Whatever happens in the government, what happens in the world, what happens with the economy cannot touch who you are in Christ and your salvation. There. Right? Sign, sealed, delivered, done. If you're not sure, the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith, not by works. Just put your rest in Jesus. Dude. Rest in Jesus. Put your faith in Him the best way you know how. Just, Lord, okay, by faith. I trust you, Savior and Lord. I believe you died for me. I'm resting in your finished work. I may not understand it all, but I'm resting in you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior today. Thank you for dying. (laughs) Don't be afraid to smile. Please. The world needs smiles right now. The world needs smiles. Enthusiasm. I've shared this with you before. Enthusiasm, enthusiastic. Entheos, in God. Who should be the most enthusiastic people? Us, because we're in Christ. Blessed. Makarios. It's who we are. Jesus says, "Okay, positionally, signed, sealed, and delivered. Now, just go do it and take that all with you." Take it with you. You'll be blessed in the doing. And here's the thing for you parents, for those of you around uh, others trying to figure out Jesus, here's the thing. If you will role model blessed obedience, they might just believe that obedience is a good thing. <laughs> right? People sometimes ask, uh, my wife and I, how did you guys raise your kids? What did you guys do? You know, there's no formula. There's, you know, there's, there's, What we have tried to do, fundamentally, one of the things we tried to do, raising our kids, and that has nothing to do with me being a pastor, is we just wanted to, and it sounds weird, but we just wanted to role model to our kids that following Jesus is a good thing. It's a joyful thing. I mean, it sounds really simple, but we just tried to role model that following Jesus is a happy thing. We've had our moments, and it's not always been circumstantially happy, but what we tried to instill in our kids and show them. Macarias in obedience that's kind of what we've done there's no formula there's no guarantee you, but that's been our heart it's like from when I had our very first fund, I just want I just want our kids to see that mom and dad love Jesus and it's a good thing it's a joyful thing it's a blessed thing and let it trickle into our home that's kind of what we've done now you can do that but you can do it at work you can do it in your neighborhood. You can do it in your social club. You can do it in your sports teams. You can do it at school. Show the world that following Jesus is what vicarios. And see what happens. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we are positionally blessed. And today, we've learned that Makarios happens as we obey, as we walk in obedience. And so, Lord, today, maybe we just need to go back to our first love and our first moment of extreme happiness. When, when you poured your grace out and and the scales came off and we said, Hallelujah, I am Hallelujah, my sins are forgiven. My name is in my life, I am forgiven. Oh, the happiness. Oh, the happiness in that moment. That truth. That truth that you're saved delivered. And then Lord, I pray for those today that, that aren't sure. They know a lot of the Bible or a little of the Bible and yet it's all about Jesus. Jesus said to the religious leaders, you study the scriptures, but you don't come to me. So I pray for those today that have not come to Jesus, whether it's their first time in church or it's 200th time in church. If you not come to Jesus. Come to Jesus this morning. that is in darkness. And they need to know the blessedness, the happiness of a relationship with Jesus. They need to know the happiness of walking in obedience. The blessedness of who they are in